she was a goddess who wasn't invited to a party and she got mad. She didn't get mad. She got even. And so she, she just shows up and raises hell. She and flips the table. Flips the table. Hello and welcome to episode 37 of Off the Charts, a stellar newscast with news for the week of May 9th, 2023. I'm your co-host and producer, Whitney McKnight, and I'm in Chicago for the month of May, but I am joined as usual from New York by my colleague, co-host, and fellow astrologer, Elizabeth Grace. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, hey, we're the monkeys. Yeah, well, (laughs) you might be, but you know what I want to know is, are the car horns still blaring and people climbing lampposts to get a good look at the ticker tape parade for E. Jean Carroll and her decisive victory for all women everywhere who've been brutalized by monsters impersonating men? No? Yes? Maybe? It's it's exciting. It's And we called it. Yes, we did. That's really exciting. Yeah. Guys, if you listen to episode 35, you heard it here possibly first. Yeah. Well, and we're going to talk about it because the time of the actual verdict being announced just blew my mind. I was looking at the chart and I was like, holy (laughs) shit. (laughs) I mean, astrologic. It's crazy. It's crazy. Astrologic. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll get to that. But yes. um, Yeah. Anyway, I was saying monsters impersonating men, which reminded me that we have another impersonator on our list of topics to get to. We're going to be hearing about the latest federal charges against Congressman George Santos. But first, Elizabeth and I are both renegades from corporate media. We report and analyze the cosmic impulses behind the news. We offer you an alternative to the corporate media model that manipulates you into working against your best interests. We bring you news from the ensouled universe where cycles within cycles suggest there's a greater consciousness unfolding us. It moves through us and around us, and it's a larger intelligence that extends beyond what we can ever possibly imagine. And we means all of us, every one of us, even the people who think they know everything. Our goal is to help you see there is order amidst the chaos and trusting the universe, not the status quo, brings you peace calm and hope. So welcome everyone, patron subscribers and others alike. We need all your support. So if you are not able to actually purchase a subscription right now, you can like us and make comments. We love comments. We get so few and everyone always returns an email to me and says, I love this show. And I go, I'm so happy you did. I wish you would put this in the comment section. <laughs> and yeah, if you share us with others. Or if you already are a patient subscriber and you'd like to purchase a gift subscription for someone else, lots of ways that you can help us keep this going. Shall we give a special shout out of appreciation to avid listener Deb? Sure, you can do that. Deb Holding. Avid listener Deb Holding, who told so many people uh, about us. And uh, if you are just tuning in because you heard about us from Deb, welcome, welcome, welcome. And you can find more about us at ensold.substack.com. That's E N S O U L E D.substack.com. And we are still testing our format. Um, We were making a few tweaks. So right now, it seems as though surveys show that fewer headlines, more commentary are what it is. That's what you guys are looking for. Um, 40% headlines, 60% astro commentary. That makes me think that a lot of our listeners are actually familiar with astrology. And so we can be a little more technical. But I'm not sure about that. So I'm going to add yet another survey. And I'm going to ask folks to decide for us whether we should be worried that we are too jargony and we speak in too many technical terms or if you actually like it and you find it instructive. So we're going to try and do the best we can to find 
just right Goldilocks for everybody. Anyway, the, yes. the real goal is just to make sure that everyone who listens gains a level of confidence that regardless of what the media says, you can know there are always deeper rhythms and patterns afoot and they can be anticipated. That doesn't mean you can control things. It just means you can anticipate things. And it's a way you can start to hone your powers of observation, which are very powerful, very powerful. Anything you want to add, Elizabeth, before we dive into the wash of great things to talk about? The big awesome news. Yeah, no, the astrologic. There is order in this seemingly random chaos that hopefully um, that perspective um, will, as Whitney's fabulous moon in Taurus advises, keep you calm. I know, isn't that funny? Too inter- no, it's hilarious. I have, the, I, have the, I have the moon that is all about status quo. And I'm like, hey, folks, do not lean into the status quo. But I am very, very much about lean into the calm. So. But you're leaning into the calm. So I just, I love it. So what are our planetary patterns suggesting? Let's start with EG. I thought that we were going to get a verdict quickly. Um, the patterns in the defendant in this trial, Donald John Trump, uh, the patterns in the horoscope for him this week are provocative. Uh, the technical stuff that's going on is he has Mars, which is the energy of action and attack, which rules the area of his horoscope that has to do with broadcasting and also legal matters. And this Mars was making a provocative challenge to two planets in his horoscope, one of them is Venus, which rules his midheaven and also uh, documents. And the other the other one was a challenge to his Saturn, which was exact yesterday when this verdict came down, um, which has to do with his creative self-expression. So we could, and historically, having watched this horoscope since, oh my God, I realized I've been writing about this horoscope since 2011. Wow. You, oh well, this is one of the reasons why you are such a valuable partner to have in this <laughs> endeavor, because you have a photographic memory of so many provocative charts. It's really good to just say, what do you think is going to happen? You're like, uh, all right, I can tell you because you're just right. because it's in my brain for some reason. But anyway, so so the odds were that this was going to be a provocative week. And if you guys listen to episode 35, we broke down. There's a way in astrology to use the the time that a prosecuting or plaintiff's attorney begins speaking in a trial. You can use that as a timing tool to assess the probability of who is likely to prevail or if there's going to be a settlement. We did it with um, the Fox Dominion case where we looked at the scheduled Mm -hmm. time for that trial and said, it looks like they're going to settle. And that's what they did. There was never an opening statement, but we could tell that that the likelihood was they were going to come to an agreement, which they did. Right. And looking yeah, at the, yeah. the opening. Oh, and then they, well, the second one we did was uh, Gwyneth Paltrow. Oh, yes. Yes. Or we're three for three here. We're batting a thousand on our three cases. Yes, we did. We did. Uh, the odds were that she was going to prevail. And we laid out the details of why in episode 35. So you guys can go back and listen to that. So I was expecting that this was going to be a fast resolution and his you know, the defendant's horoscope does not look great, but still, oh, you guys, I mean, so amazing. So what we do is you take this chart for the opening statement, which was in April, I don't know, April 26th, whatever that was. I don't, I, I'm not looking at the chart in front of me right now. And you look at where the patterns are, where the planets are. Yesterday, when news came down, which was at around 245 
p.m. in New York, the news in so yesterday, meaning Tuesday, um, news came down that the jury had reached a verdict. And then you start watching over the next 20 minutes. It took 20 minutes from that announcement for them to come into court and actually read the verdict. And when you look at the chart for that time and compare it, you know, where it is relative to where it started, where the trial started, the synchronicity is so great. And Whitney, you had a, an amazing, fabulous observation right off the get-go. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm tossing the ball back to you because I'm actually going to pull up the chart so I could see it, not just make stuff up. Uh, well, um, you're not going to make stuff up. But I, anyway, like, um, anyway, yeah. Yeah. Well, two things. So um, opening statements began on April 25th. I didn't want to interrupt you. You were on such a roll there, but I was. <laughs> yeah, I, was I was. So as soon as you texted me um, statement, because I was in the airport and you said statements coming down um, at three o'clock. Uh, where was I then? I was on my way to Chicago. So I think I was, I was in Charlotte at the time. Um, yes, you were. And I, and I thought to myself, I, I think, you know, I, I think Uranus is conjunct and it should be for New York as well. I think that the actual verdict was announced at 307 307 yeah that's what i that's what i um... so so uranus and the sun so the sun was at 18 degrees and 54 minutes and uranus was at 18 degrees and 56 minutes i mean what the effing yeah <laughs> it's just like yeah uh okay so and but folks and it was no matter which house system you use because i when i'm doing what we call horary which is how we would um determine who we think will win a, a case and so forth. That's the type of astrology that Elizabeth was referring to before. We're using ho yeah, horary yeah. principles because there actually right. isn't a, what we're doing is we're using the the rules of horary. A horary, you know, this is something you guys, if you don't know about this, this is a really useful tool. If you have a burning question, a burning question, you really need an answer to something in which you have a personal stake. You can ask that question and when an astrologer who's capable of actually interpreting such a sacred moment in time, that's what this is, a very sacred moment. Um, when an astrologer hears and understands your question, she can cast a, a horoscope for the time she receives and understands it and therein find an answer. So we use the same rules that apply to interpreting those kinds of burning questions to how we interpret the chart for a significant event yeah. such as moment. the start of a trial. Yeah. Well, let me, let me get, so, so two things there. One, um, regardless of what house system you use, the conjunction, the partile conjunction of the sun and Uranus were taking, it was taking place in the ninth house of law and justice. So hello, yeah. and I'm going to make a comment about that in a second, but yeah, if you want to touch on what you just said, when you said that sacred moment, if you are a, a person who's interested in the more technical um, and philosophical leanings of astrology, I do recommend Jeffrey Cornelius's book, The Moment of Astrology, because he he makes a, it's basically a long treatise making the case for why it's silly not to see astrology as divination, because what's happening is you are entering into a stillness, This is these are my words, a stillness of allowing the universe the enfoldment of it to come to you in that moment and it is that moment that makes it sacred it is that you have chosen that moment and the universe has met you in that moment and you can trust you will get the information you need not the moment before not the moment after that moment 
So if that makes any sense, but in that moment, what was happening is that astrologically, the planetary pattern was suggesting that the sun was bursting through the clouds. Or I think of Uranus and the sun as a tower card moment, mm -hmm. where if anyone is familiar with the Tarot and, and with the Rider Waite Smith, Pamela Coleman Smith's picture is of a tower being blown apart and the king and the queen flying out and it's being blown apart by the force of a strike of lightning. So I think of it as the towers of the old ways, you know, old structures are breaking down. And at that moment, so many women who have been waiting for justice because this pig whom a really good friend of mine and a listener of the show, hey Gail, she had suggested he probably doesn't even remember her. As he says, it's probably very true when he texted out or he tweeted out or whatever he did. It was on his truth social. I do not even know this, this woman. You know what? I think that's probably the first time he actually told the truth around any of these allegations. And that's just even more messed up. He's just such a serial groper and a serial rapist that he does this shit and he doesn't even remember. So this moment where the tower blows apart and the sun shines through and the old structure's gone. I mean, this floodgate is now open. No matter what, he will always have a record of having, he didn't, they did not win on the rape charge, but they did win on the sexual abuse charge. And mm -hmm. he, he is, you know, a lot of information is out there now. And that wall has been, it's funny, he's all about the wall. Well, the wall has come down. And as I predicted the last well, episode 35, because we, because 36, we talked about King Charles, whom we're going to get to, um, as I predicted, this would be the floodgate crashing down. And we would start to see more and more of this coming to light, justice being delivered. And it's not even going to take 50 years, although I'm putting a 50 year caveat out there. We're going to look back and we're going to go, we did that. We allowed that to go on to women. We let men do that. This just this is the beginning of the end the beginning of the end. So that's one observation I wanted to make about the chart, but I'm also curious what you think about the judge, okay. the judge and the querent had the same um, planet. Yeah. So, so let me, let me, yeah. So if I want to just say one technical translation, when Whitney said partile, a partile conjunction or a partile, what does that mean? Partile means it's the same degree, meaning that the, so partile is the, it's within the same degree. So if something is at 18, blah, -de blah, and another planet is at 18, blah, -de blah, their, their connection is said to be partile, but exact means the absolute moment of the lightning bolt. Yeah. Well, and it was pretty much then. And it was pretty close. So here's what's in this horoscope. Well, so yeah, what, go back to my question though. So did you what? notice this, that, that the judge and the querent were both represented by the same planet at the time that the, um, the jury's verdict was announced yes and, and the yes. Um, the verdict and the um and the and the, the defendant were both the same planet i found that really interesting yeah yeah, yeah. and everything was the same was was pretty much partile and which was also weird I don't know, it I was it's um, it's amazing i mean i've seen this synchronicity before but it it, it, it never, but you know in your, your case studies but it's always amazing to see it in in like you know in a in a real life thing that you're living through. So so here's the astrologic. When you look at the chart for 3.07 p.m., and remembering that um, the opening statement, that the time that I'm using for the opening statement happened at 3.26 p.m. So within the same hour, the thing started and it ended of day. So that's why we're seeing so, so these planets all falling in the same areas of the as where they started. But here's here's what's the, the cool synchronicity. All right. So 
as with the opening statement, you have, as Whitney said, the plaintiff is represented by Mercury. Uh, and also the, the judge is represented by Mercury because Virgo is the ascendant. Gemini is the midheaven. And that's what you're looking at in the horoscope. The part of fortune, this element of luck at the moment that the verdict was read was sitting right on top yeah. of Mercury in the opening statement chart. Mm. She, oh my gosh. I know. Because <laughs> it's know. right on the cusp of it's, the ninth house. I know. And it's, and it's right sitting right on top of the, the plaintiffs, and which is also the judge. And which was so cool is that if you were following the trial at all, you could hear how the judge was inclined to support the plaintiff as we anticipated that he would would i mean he kept slapping down the the plaintiffs uh, uh, excuse me the defendant's attorney which in this horoscope was represented by um mars very badly behaving toxic mars yeah and in, the, in a very uncomfortable sign during this entire tri uh, trial every time i noticed that it seems like mars was always somehow representing trump and his lawyer his legal team and Mars throughout this entire trial has been in, in cancer, which Mars is is not really happy about cancer type things. Yes. And the jury at the opening statement was represented by the moon in cancer, which tells an astrologer that this jury is going to is going to it's going to be up to the jury. The, the, the yeah. defendant is not mm -hmm. going to be able to sway this jury because the jury is is much is it, it holds power over the defendant. But anyway, but getting back to the synchronicity. OK. Part of fortune sitting on top of the planet that represents the plaintiff, amaze balls. Okay. That's the technical term. And, uh, the midheaven and the ascendant of this time the verdict is reached is on what's his face? Uh, the defendant's son. So it's all about him. But also when you look at the synchronicity, the, the synastry, when you take E. Jean, we haven't talked about her horoscope, um, a, a astonishing connections between her horoscope and uh, Donald John Trump's horoscope. You can see how she is going to be a, sat, a, a block to him and, and stop him. There are deeply karmic connections, which I'm going to get into in just a sec. Uh, but anyway, so the fact that this midheaven, the judgment comes in and it matches Trump's son, and also uh, it opposes E. Jean Carroll's Sagittarius son is, ama is just amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. And the moon was at 11 degrees of Capricorn opposing, almost exactly opposing the moon where it, where it, where it started. So this like, there's this full oh, moon pattern. We have this yeah. illumination that comes yeah. in, which could just send chills down your, your spine, you know, if you're doing this and, and Mars is at 20, almost 24 degrees of Cancer, and it is squaring the planet that represents the defendant. So we have the energy of attack and the energy of his stupid lawyers, um, you know, <laughs> provoking and, and not in a nice way, um, e even though they're in mutual deception. I don't want to, I'm getting too technical, but, but anyway, um, they'll probably appeal, whatever, but still. Did you just say mutual deception? That's that's a Lee Lehman term, mutual oh. deception. <laughs> anyway, so Mars is is squaring the planet that represents the defendant who is in the house of death appropriately. And um, Venus, 
is at the Aries point. Uh, Venus rules the second house in this in this matter, which could refer to the um, plaintiff's money, and she just won five million dollars. If she's wait, ever which chart are you looking at? I'm looking at I'm looking at the sinistry. I'm looking at the oh, okay. I, I, the outer <laughs> wheel is where Venus where Venus is when the verdict was read, which is at the Aries point. Right. Two degrees of cancer. So it's demanding prominence. This is a prominent day for women. Uh, and Venus is trying, it, you know, Venus rules in the event chart, um, the assets of the plaintiff. So yeah, right. th there's a five I don't million know. I, I wouldn't read the second degree as an Aries point. I know you do it, but I, but regardless, it's high up in the chart. It's mm -hmm. visible and it is ruling her, um, her money and, and she's getting a pot full. <laughs> well, yeah. If he ever pays up. Anyway, and, yeah, it's but, just... but his his money is in Cancer, and it is Mars in Cancer. It's in a fallen it's in a fallen position. So we knew already. Oh, he's going to at least have to pay her. Yeah, we could have. We could have. Yeah. So the thing with E. Jean Carroll, that's she is. We don't have a birth time for her, but what she's got in her horoscope is she is a Sun sign, Sagittarius. Her Sun is at nineteen degrees of Sagittarius. It it's sitting right on top of Trump's Moon and opposes his Sun, and her Saturn is at 23 degrees of Gemini, and it is sitting on his sun. So she is going to streamline him. She's <laughs> going to impose a necessary control. She's going to block him. And not only that, but his uh, his north and south nodes those are, are connected to her sun and Saturn, which is often a suggestion of a karmic I mean, she, yeah. there's no way he could have shaken her. There's just no way. Right. She was not going away. Right. It's a sticky uh. connection. And Jupiter at 27 degrees of Aries, I don't usually look at trines, but I couldn't help but notice that her Jupiter sits, her Jupiter is at 27 degrees of Leo. It sits on his ascendant. It sits on his Mars. And Jupiter is trining a partile, a partile trine. Uh, Jupiter is trining her Jupiter uh, this week. Jupiter is at 27 Yeah, Aries. the moment that it was announced that yeah. she won, they, yeah. her Jupiter was in a trine with the Jupiter, uh, who, which ironically was in this chart, the planet representing Trump. So yes. she trumped Trump. She trumped him. She trumped him. Right. Okay. Yay. So fantastic. All righty. Well, that's, uh, yeah. yeah. So folks, there you go. And I would say if you wanted to go back to um, episode 35 um, and, and, you know, if you're interested in astrology case studies, this is a great one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, okay. let's move. Let, thank you for that. And um, let's move on. So what do we got next? We've got uh, briefly the coronation. About, yeah. So folks, let, let me just jump in and say, so we did a coronation um, special and it was for paying subscribers only. Um, it's another really super case study though. And if you want to listen to it and then track what happens, because we made some predictions for the next couple of years for the house of Windsor, um, you can become a subscriber at insold.substack.com. There is a small free version of what we predicted, um, but it was a really long episode, but people loved it. People loved it. We got lots of new paying subscribers as a result. So mm -hmm. Um, I think it was like a, an hour and 20 minutes. We really went for it, mm -hmm. but you want, I'm going to let this stand in this free version of the podcast. I thought about just um, maybe having this update on the coronation for paying subscribers, but I just think everybody would enjoy this. So you're going to tell us some more additional thoughts. Now that the coronation is behind us, you notice some things that we wouldn't have known at the time that we did the episode. So go ahead.
we were not going to know the exact moment that the crown was placed on King Charles' head. And of course, that is, that's a Kodak moment. We take a snapshot of that. We look at the time. Um, and what we noticed, I mean, I think you and I both talked about this, noticed it immediately is that the angles, meaning the midheaven and the ascendant, are both in fixed signs, meaning they're in Taurus or Leo or Scorpio and Aquarius. And in this case, the ascendant is Leo, which is so fitting for a king. And the midheaven is Taurus. And what was amazing is that the midheaven was very close to King Charles's moon and also his mother's son. So that was- well, And also he is a Leo rising and he has a Taurus midheaven. So that's also interesting. So it's so, you know, so it is, it's reflecting him. And it was fascinating because, the, you know, but we still see the potential for disruption and innovation that we were talking about in episode 36, because the sun, which rules the ascendant, this Leo ascendant, is about to meet up with Uranus within the time span of probably a year, if you use solar arcs, it's going to happen fast. So he's, so there is this potential for innovation. That's one potential of Uranus or disruption. But the fact that the angles were in fixed signs suggests at least an intention of endurance of building something. Yeah. That's Maybe, a really good point. Yeah. Yeah. So there's there's this like and people have been talking in the in the Twitter sphere, you know, he's uh, that he, uh, of him becoming a reformer. And so why am I making this point? Because when we recorded our take last week on and we looked at the horoscopes of the key royals who are close to the crown and the line of succession, we noticed that there were patterns in their horoscopes that suggest a potential squeeze or dis and or both a squeeze and a disruption within a time frame of one to two or three years. And so then the astrologer is imagining, well, what could that be? What life events could reflect it? Of course, one is that, you know, Charles does not stay king for more than a few years. That's possible. But, and this is really important, it's also possible that there's another manifestation of a control and an upset. Yeah. Maybe it's a whole bunch of countries who are in the Commonwealth now. I mean, I was reading, you know, St. Kitts and Nevis are going, we don't, what is this King thing? Why, what are we dealing with this? We necessarily want to be attached to this concept anymore. So maybe that could be part of, that could be the disruption or the control. That's all I wanted to say. Okay. Innovation, innovation. Okay. Innovation reformer with that sun conjunct Uranus up there at the top uh, where it is. Um, here he is, the first right out of the gate. Uh, Reuters is saying Britain's King Charles visits a net zero aviation, that's Uranus, and energy, also Uranus, facility as his first engagement after the coronation. The sun, the king, conjunct Uranus, innovation, technology, aviation, and there he is yesterday with the sun conjunct Uranus and it's just fabulous. So he is going to, he is going to try to, um, to do some new stuff. What do you mean net zero? Meaning there's no carbon crapola in it. Is that called net zero? I thought it was called carbon zero. Okay. All right. Well, since we're on, since we're talking about sun Uranus, let's, um, let's not spend too much time on this, but we no. have some really, really good headlines from your forecast from Sun Uranus. So just bust through them real fast. Okay. Okay. Seriously goofy headlines. Last week, Venus square, Neptune, fairy tale, rose colored, surreal. What the hell? 
sextiles Jupiter. There's an expansion. Venus, in the language of astrology, refers to food, the sun, and Uranus, which suggest something quirky, perhaps, disruptive, a surprise, is in, are in Taurus, also food. Here's the headline. Holy macaroni! New Jersey town baffled by 500 pounds of pasta <laughs> dumped by Brooke. Not, and Brooke is not the one who did the dumping. It means dumped by the side of a stream. Dumped so. by, the, by the old mill stream. <laughs> oh, such a it, I mean, story. But this, is, but this is the kind of stuff we see under these kinds of conditions. And so then the other one that I wanted to share, Sun Uranus. Whitney was saying how this is the tower, you know, the lightning bolt from the tower. So there was a long form story in The Guardian about some guy who was struck by lightning and said that his face was burned off and his memory, which is Neptune, disappeared. Well, that, it's also, you know, that that is definitely the tower card, the internal structure. The structure is busted. <laughs> you have to start over. That is a crazy story. Crazy. And sad and really, you know, terrifying. But absolutely astrological. Anyway, yeah, that, so that's, that's just good. a couple of examples. And then, and then, and then, and then, and then. Yeah, let's just move on. We were talking about George Disruptions. Santos. Disruptions. George Anthony DeVolder Santos or Santos DeVolder or whatever the hell his name is. So he says. So he says. Although maybe the courts have got it right. Maybe they have a birth. would love to see his birth certificate. We don't have a birth time for him. Anyway, this guy who lied his way into Congress well, he lied his way and got caught. A lot of them are liars, but he actually made up an entire persona to get elected. That's pretty unique. That's a brilliant point. D and well taken. Yes, he lied his way into Congress and he got caught, but he lied his way by stealing money from veterans who thought he was going to help them, you know. Yeah, see, that's just date. That's just business as usual for a lot of them. In <laughs> And it, it is. So there's a lot of those kinds of stories. But this guy just made himself up out of whole cloth. Completely. Right. Yeah. He said he worked at Goldman Sachs. He said he went to Baruch College on a volleyball scholarship. And he direct, he produced Spider-Man and all this stuff. And, and he's just been lying his way through all the way. But he's but he's very important in the U.S. Congress because he's like the la he's like the key vote. I'm wondering if they put him together with spare parts, if Kevin McCarthy <laughs> and and Marjorie Taylor Greene, their little weirdo lab where they make up all of the weird things that they want to impose on the rest of us. We've got all of our beakers and test tubes. Let's see if we can create Frankenstein. And here he is. But anyway, this guy on a on a day where we would expect a disruption involving leaders, uh, whatever that means, if he's some kind of leader, um, this guy who also is directly affected by Pluto, which has been blaring like a car horn pluto is opposing his um son and a 13 count indictment for various forms of fraud especially ripping off uh ripping off the uh new york department of labor's unemployment fund during the pandemic while he had a job somewhere else um he he got this indictment handed down and his his horoscopes are very interesting because we know that this guy is going to be in the news for the next couple of years because Pluto is sitting directly across from his zero degrees or 29 cancer. We don't know because we don't have birth time sun. The sun changed signs on the day he was born. That's why we don't know. We can appreciate how he would have burst onto the scene for his own unique rebellious ways his unconventional approach, we can see that in the horoscope, how that would have 
how he would have just been like this flash in the pan and then this year gotten hammered by Saturn karma blocks retribution. Yeah. And if anybody who is not in the United States wants to get a really good idea of who he is, um, you can just look at the satire of him and you'd be pretty close. So I would recommend going to Saturday Night Live and Bowen Yang's impersonation of him. Oh, 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 oh. And the other thing I would say astrologically that this this indictment came down, he has a pattern in his horoscope that's going to be active for another year. Neptune, which dissolves whatever it touches, mm, it Saturn. is yeah. squaring his Saturn, which is his structure and his authority. Oh, so. well. Oh, well. Bye. <laughs> Bye, Felicia. Okay, let's move on to something that's a little bit less funny. And All right, and this is a serious part because, okay, last week, if you're watching the news in the United States and somebody actually was, was asking on the Twitter, is it possible for a country to go insane? And yeah, just look at its horoscope and listen to what astrologers have been saying and pay attention to us and, and you know, you won't be so surprised. Um, last week was a uh, just, again, um, just boundary pushing awfulness. Um, Mars... In Cancer, defending its turf was square, a planet known as the goddess of discord, Eris, the, the goddess of discord. Eris is at 24 degrees of Aries. So mm -hmm. Mars, so Mars squared it. Mars is approaching a square to Jupiter and Pluto. So the energy of action and anger for better or worse is amplified. It's amplified. We expect to see this going through the end of May in the extreme. Well, what's the role of Eris? She was a goddess who wasn't invited to a party and she got mad. She didn't get mad, she got even. And so she <laughs> she just shows up and raises hell. She and flips the table. She flips the table. And Eris, she, yeah, she she just makes a big mess until she can get her needs met. And astrologers have started paying attention to this dwarf planet for the last, oh, I would say maybe at least a good five years, because Eris, when Uranus was in Aries, okay, Aries was met up with Eris, and we and, and we started seeing and all kinds of stuff started bursting out. Same with Pluto. Okay, so we saw these larger than life instances of upheaval pe because people were mad. They want to be at the table. In the horoscope of the United States, our Mercury, how we need to think and communicate, is at 24 degrees of Cancer, and Eris is squaring the U.S. Mercury. So the energy of, I'm going to tear this, I'm going to burn this place down if you don't listen to me, is very much part of what's going on in the U.S., and we're going to be dealing with this for the next year because Eris moves so slowly. But well, last... I was just going to say that. I mean, I'm sorry to step on here, but I was no, no, just okay. like, and I just double checked online here. I was. Oh, good. At... Fact check. Yeah. I mean, here's one reason that I, I mean, I find that interesting. I don't ever use Eris in any astrology, nothing. I don't, I just, I find it interesting. I don't pay much attention to it because her orbit is 558 years around. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that Earth years, anyway. Um, yeah. That's twice as long as Pluto. I mean, we got enough hell to, to track with Pluto. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I actually, I'm not saying that I'm infallible in this. It's just that I do believe that I get to where I need to get to with what I'm looking at for mundane astrology without having to bring 
her in. So I oh. do find it interesting what you said, but I'm just kind of saying to other folks, like, don't freak if you're just like, oh, what? <laughs> Absolutely. Totally, totally, totally uh, fair point. You don't need to use all these dwarf planets, but I have noticed an uptick. And so I've started paying attention. And in my horoscope, I have a close personal relationship with Eris and it helped, it's helped me understand why um, some people see me as such a, a discordant flamethrowing person every now and then, because I do tend to disrupt things. Uh, uh, just, just ask my co-op board. Uh, so. <laughs> well, you know, just thinking about that though, one thing that I would, you know, who knows if somebody's out there and wants to write a paper about it, it would be interesting to track the movements of, um, the diminishment of the feminine, so uh -huh. the, the yin, and then um, where Eris is vis-a-vis -vis events at that time, and just to see how over the next, I don't know, give it 558 years, Earth years, things, you know, would be there, therefore projected to change, but you'd have to look back in time I don't know. It's a very interesting philosophical argument. There are some astrologers who say, don't look at a period of history using a planet that had not been quote unquote discovered at that time. Mm -hmm. I don't agree with that. I think it's useful to mm -hmm. look back in time using the knowledge and the relationship that we've developed with the outer planets that we previously didn't know about, because what I believe these outer planets are doing is uh you know revealing more of the unsold universe to us because we can deal with it now mm -hmm. so now looking backward at history we could look at where eris might have been i don't know during um during the time of sumerian culture mm -hmm. you know uh, mm -hmm. when there was more of an emphasis on the feminine and then where she was vis-a-vis -vis the planets that we know of now and the um you know the original ptolemaic planets the first seven that we think of um during the time of the rise of empire that could be very interesting mm -hmm. all of that is very philosophical maybe it is of interest to you listening but it is absolutely unnecessary for doing a regular type of reading and we get really good results with without it so anyway that's that's no, off, the, no, off my no, thinking no no, no no i love it i love it i love it and and to your point about and i but i appreciate that you see the value of looking at the modern the meaning the recently discovered planets in 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 going back in history i i just gave a, a talk um a couple of weeks ago and i used uh michelangelo's horoscope as an example michelangelo and sistine chapel and the statue of david all this i mean his horoscope is hot right now and we're going to talk about another hot horse horoscope in a minute but, you know, to the scope and the grandiosity and the extremes of his accomplishments, Mozart is another example. When you look at their horoscopes, let's stick with Michelangelo. Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto had not been discovered. But when you look at his horoscope, you can see how engaged those outer planets are in his chart. Mm -hmm. And to a modern eye, it just makes so much sense. You're like, of course, this is why he was driven to these extremes of greatness. It's, yeah. it's really amazing. Anyway, so, um, can I just throw a coda on this? Yes. And we, we should pick this up another time. But then that brings us to the conversation um, that would be great. Maybe we should have like a forum on this. But all of the people who are using um, asteroids now, mm -hmm. I occasionally use them when I'm just looking for a a little bit more evidence on something but generally i am not your astro girl like your asteroid girl i am not going to be the person who would be able to talk to you about that i just don't know that much about them i know baseline what i need to know but 
there are so many asteroids. So mm -hmm. the conversation could be, you know, like, what do you do when you just have too much information? How do you narrow it down? And, and I'm not going to offer a, an answer because I don't know. <laughs> I already gave you my answer. I just do what works for me. <laughs> I will recommend the uh, the amazing work of Alex Miller, who is all about asteroids. That's all he does. He write every week. He's well, and of course, Demetra yeah. George too. Demetra George. But I mean, like, yes, she she wrote the book on the goddesses. But Alex is doing like all <laughs> hundred zillion thousands of them. Okay, okay, but getting back to the yeah. horoscope of dead people and Michelangelo. Yes. But we're not going to talk. Now we're moving on to another dead person who's not as much fun. No, it's not as much fun, but I've been writing about this horoscope for, for, uh, uh, years and with some feeling of concern because what I could see, okay, the premise is, is that the horoscope keeps working, even if you're dead and you can use the horoscope of somebody who's passed on and still anticipate when things attached to their legacy and affecting their legacy are going to come back into the zeitgeist. And so um, Adolf Hitler, I have been watching this horoscope because I've been seeing with alarm that suddenly, you know, Mein Kampf is, is people are reading this book and I'm thinking to myself, why are they reading what he thinks? Why do they care? And you go back and when this started making news, you can see how people would be, how, how he needed to think would suddenly get a fresh start. And then I was looking at, well, where is this horoscope going over the next several years? And when we get to now with Pluto at zero degrees of Aquarius, we see that Pluto is squaring Adolf Hitler's zero degrees Taurus sun. Imagine that. He and the Queen, Queen Elizabeth have the sun at the same degree. Go figure. All right. So, um, you know, free will, free choice. You do, you know, you can't, you can't be defined and limited. No, by energy is energy is energy. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about this before. You can have the same chart as somebody else and live in it. Well, I, you know, like how many astrologers deal with twins? I have a couple of twins on my client li list. What you'll see are themes, but you don't see them manifest the same way. So anyway, Adolf Hitler, uh, I was alarmed and he's been making a lot of news. There was a story where this woman uh, wearing a pink beret, so Venus square Neptune, this rose colored beret. Nobody could figure out who she was uh, in, in, after the, the insurrection, the invasion, the attempted coup at the Capitol. Everybody wanted, nobody could find her. And she was identified, this pink beret lady was, that's what they called her. And um, her ex-boyfriend turned her in because he saw this tweet that the FBI had put out. And he said, well, I broke up with her because she was reading Mein Kampf. Okay, so Hitler's in the news. Um, Eric Trump is so apparently speaking at a conference this weekend where there are people who have expressed uh, their uh, respect or, or, or whatever for Adolf Hitler. And the guy who, this is the thing I wanted to say. I mean, it was we crossed a bunch of lines last week. There was a shooting, a yet another one in Texas, where a guy killed a number of school children just because he could. And this person has what we are discovering about him so far is that he uh, was a he he died so but he was a, a Nazi sympathizer. So then the question is why is all this stuff coming up now? 
Wait, did he die or did he kill himself or did, was he shot? I don't know. He might've been, I mean, he might've been taken out. I don't remember. I, I this stuff is so awful. It's like, I, I just, know. It's, it's I, so awful. It's true. I don't but, even read all the details. I don't details even want to know about, it but this, this particular incident was deeply concerning because it's, it's so clear. I mean, you're killing, you're murdering three-year-olds, but why Hitler now? Why is this guy in our face? Why are all these people, you know, embracing his thinking? And you can look at his horoscope and you can look at it as a timing tool. How long are we going to be stuck with this story? How long? All right. I mean, I, I mean, you know, how long are we going to be stuck with the story? His son is at zero degrees Taurus. It's going to be amplified to the extreme by Pluto over until for at least two years. Um, his Venus and Mars are in a partile, almost exact conjunction at 16 Taurus. So, in the super duper long lunar eclipse of November 8th, 2022. That configuration was hit. So we can expect an amplification and a sudden acceleration of activity related to his social expression and his uh, and, and how he needs to act. And solar arc Jupiter, another way we have a measuring time, is sitting right on top of that conjunction. And a solar arc is in effect for an entire year. So we can see this expansion of his value system and the way he went about you know with his with his actions and uh in his horoscope getting technical here this venus mars conjunction at 16 taurus is square to saturn at 13 leo which was also just hit by this eclipse so this guy is we we can we can understand why this person and everything he you know represented would suddenly take on this quote unquote sudden popularity and his midheaven is four degrees of leo so that means that pluto as it travels through aquarius it's going to take to like i think either 2025 or 2026 i'm not looking at it ephemeris right now before it activates that uh, area of his horoscope and maybe then maybe that's when this thing is put to rest. We'll have to come back to our listeners and actually prepare a, a better forecast, a more specific one. I just don't think fascism is going to remain mm -hmm. in this country, um, but it still has a way to go before it flames out. Mm -hmm. Maybe a couple of, but maybe a few years to go through the intense part of it, and then and yeah. then it starts to, to peter out. There's a lot to look forward there to. Absolutely. There really is, and so we're and we're going to talk about that too. Don't 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 freak out. We've all, we've all been here before. Actually, we have. Well. But with, with a lot of different tools and a lot of different toys. For example, we did not have an entire population that had access to astrology. And we also didn't have a world that had nuclear warheads at the same time that so many people had access to different forms of the higher mind like astrology. So, you know, it's just, you know, it's we've been here before, but maybe we haven't. Why don't you give us a little bit of a look to the future? Okay, so over the so over the weekend, um, things are likely to stabilize. Like whatever your agenda is, you could be on the side of the angels or maybe not on the side of the angels. But whatever it is, there is there is a leaning towards stability. Why do I say that? Venus is going to try and Saturn, so the energy of of our social expression and values is in harmony with uh, authority and corporate stuff. Um, so there's a stability there, and Mercury, which is slowing to its virtual standstill from our perspective on planet earth is going to be 
in a cooperative alignment with both Venus and Saturn. So it's interesting that we have this fascinating combination of idealism coupled with realism. Venus sextile Mercury, in my worldview, is an idealistic pattern, but Mercury sextile Saturn is realism. So there could be some constructive thoughts coming together over the weekend under these patterns. Mercury will turn direct on Sunday, I think at around 11 p.m. Eastern time. So you, over the weekend, be mindful in traffic, you know, because it'll take a while for things to, for our minds to get used to moving forward, forward again. And before we record our next podcast, Jupiter, the energy of reward and expansion is going to leave Aries and enter Taurus. And I actually wrote a whole pile of notes. Oh man, I'm looking forward to that. Whitney, would you like to say anything about that? About Jupiter and Taurus? Yeah. Yeah, I guess I can. Jupiter is then moving into one of the signs ruled by Venus. So already we have the two benefics working together, bringing us goodness, bringing us sweetness bringing us things for the summer that you know like lots of barbecues lots of picnics <laughs> lots That's of food lots of food that we enjoy so it's just it just the thought of these two together working in in harmony and for me where it is in my chart i'm just like gosh i've been waiting <laughs> for things to just feel abundant and to feel more um auspicious um so that's how I would say. So wherever it is happening in your chart, you could look, depending on how it's aspected and what planets are there. Jupiter is um, expansion. Simple pleasures. Yeah. And so we're likely to see an expansion of of this over the next year, because it's going to be in Taurus for a year, of people just needing to have these simple joys. And that's a good reminder that that's enough, that sometimes keeping it simple actually has a better outcome. You can feel calmer, which I like. Calm. Here, here. okay, here's my shorthand for this. Okay. Your needs are met. Your sweet tooth is sated. Your thirst is slaked. The dirt beneath you feels clean. And you can let out a sigh of relief. A sigh, yes. Yeah. So the energy of reward and expansion expressed in things that promote material comfort and security and are earthy. So real estate is likely to be mm -hmm. expanded upon. And, um, you know, Occupy Wall Street was a product of Jupiter in Taurus. In other words, everybody came together and they just occupied the turf. That was the tool that they were using of filling up space and not moving because Taurus is a <laughs> stubborn sign, right? Yeah. That's how they were going to- What are you asking me for? Hmm? <laughs> <laughs> I don't have any Taurus in my horoscope. Um, so so that's how what they were going to do. So I could see, I think I wrote about this. I don't know. I wrote about this well, last year. Well, and also year. Jupiter is cosmic justice. And, you know, Wall Street needs- big ass comeuppance moment. He's cosmic justice. Saturn brings the the um, consequences, but Jupiter puts it into the bigger context of cosmic justice. So mm -hmm. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Occupy Wall Street was a was sponsored in part by Jupiter and Taurus. And so what can we can expect? I think upside from my perspective is 
greater, more expansive initiatives to preserve and maintain our fabulous home planet. Mm -hmm. Yep. Jupiter is going to square Pluto. What does that mean? That's going to highlight oil power resources. And so the other side of Jupiter and Taurus is that people who have the power and the resources are going to want to expand their efforts to maintain their status quo. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but there's also something else happening here now that I'm thinking about it more deeply. Around the time, I mean, they're not going to ever be exact in their aspect, I don't think. But as Jupiter is moving into Taurus, Venus is already in Cancer. Jupiter is exalted in the sign of Cancer, which we have very little time left in this episode. So I'm sorry, folks. Um, But you can look at the show notes for the coronation episode because we do define exalted there. Basically, Jupiter has some really special sweetness on top that he gets from whenever um, we ha- we talk about his relationship to Cancer. So Venus is his host because she is the ruler of Taurus, and she has had him enter her temple now, which sounds very sensual. Um, and as it should is, be, yeah, there he is working in tandem in her home while she's over in the sign where Jupiter is exalted. So. It's a sexy time, but it's a really grounded time. It's also an abundant time. It's a moist time. So it could be a very sexy time in a way, depends on where it is in your chart. Um, Now, I mean, there's always the downside. We always say this, you could also find that something's growing that you don't want growing. (laughs) You know, know, fertility is fertility. But um, I would just look at it as a time of some really necessary sweetness and, and relaxation to you know, after Mars having been in cancer and after all of these eclipses and, you know, the eclipses having implicated in them a fallen Mars, Mars and cancer being the ruler of this last eclipse that was in Scorpio, we need a break for God's sake. And you're going to get one. Happy, happy. All right. We have jammed it in here, girl. That's it for episode 37. I am Whitney McKnight and I'm publisher of News from the Ensouled Universe. I also publish documental mapping the american states of mind you can find each of these publications on substack you can either search for my name or just insold universe or documental they'll come up uh and that is mcknight with a k by the way i'm also the producer of this podcast elizabeth grace my co-host writes a weekly forecast tracking what she calls the astonishing synchronicities between planetary patterns and news headlines and she has been doing this for almost 15 years you can find her work at elizabethgrace.com and elizabeth is spelled with an s not a z until next time please keep hope in your heart and get out there and look at those amazing stars look up